Hello, this is Michael Shapiro, CEO and founder of TapIntoNet, and you're listening to the Jaffe Podcast. So newspaper circulation is shrinking, and digital media is on the rise. Who will inherit the throne in the fight to save neighborhood journalism? We'll find out in today's Jaffe Podcast. You're listening to the Jaffe Podcast, brought to you weekly by Jaffe Communications. Betrayal and uncertainty reign in the kingdom as heads keep rolling and rivals clash in a ruthless fight for power. No, we're not talking about Game of Thrones. It's just another week in America's news industry. This time, it's Media News Group and Gatehouse Media, two major conglomerates announcing another round of buyouts, layoffs, and budget cuts. But today's episode isn't an epic tragedy. No, instead, we're focusing on the scrappy media upstarts, rising from the ashes to serve a public as ravenous as ever for real local news. One of those upstarts, Tap Into, is the brainchild of Mike Shapiro, a true Jersey guy, and we're very grateful he stopped by the Jaffe Podcast Studio with Chuck O'Donnell, editor of the Tap Into in New Brunswick. We found out more about Tap Into's new model for making money, real money, in local news, discussed the role of journalism in a healthy democracy, and even reminisced about Mike's brief foray into big city urban politics. Mike Shapiro, welcome to the Jaffe Podcast. Well, thanks so much for having me. Yep. And, and also, Mike was kind enough to bring along with him one of his uh, award-winning franchisees uh, from Tap Into New Brunswick, covering New Brunswick and Rutgers. His name is Chuck O'Donnell. Hello. How's and it going? It is going well. Thanks, Chuck. Chuck's used to writing, not talking. I got a face for radio. <laughs> And we also have here Mike's son, Shane, um, who is a sixth grader at Parkwood Middle School. Am I completely uh, West wrong? Westglades Middle School in West Parkland, Glades. Florida. Yep. Yeah. And he's getting bar mitzvah in January 2020, and he wanted to come on to do his bar mitzvah portion. So we'll be with you in a second. Um, we joke on this podcast, so it's okay to laugh. Anyway, getting kidding. dirty looks from a sixth grader. I get dirty looks from my eighth grade son. Uh, so, anyway. so anyway, but Mike is here uh, to talk mostly about Tap Into and where it's been and, and where it's going. And you've had a meteoric rise, I would say, over the past 10 years. So why don't you tell our many, many listeners out there the story of a Tap Into. Sure, sure. So in uh, October 2008, I started an all-online objective local news site for my old hometown at the time, New Providence, New Jersey, mm -hmm. and one for our two neighboring towns, Berkeley Heights and Summit. And um, we, we were covering um, objective local daily news in those towns, and we started to get requests from people to expand to their towns. So we launched a site in Milburn and one in Chatham, and then I left my job in the city to do it full-time. I had been an attorney. Mm -hmm. And uh, a couple weeks later, um, AOL launched something called Patch. Mm -hmm. Yep. And um, at first, we didn't know they, they were owned by AOL. And uh, so we they launched in um, Livingston, where I grew up. So we launched in Livingston. And mm -hmm. then they launched in Westfield. We launched in Westfield. And then mm -hmm. we found out that they were owned by AOL. And they were going to go all over the country and spend like $200 million. Mm -hmm. So at that point, we stopped expanding. Mm -hmm. And uh, we just tried to survive. And mm -hmm. we did that by trying to put out the highest quality original local news that we could mm -hmm. and also uh, continue to develop uh, relationships with the local businesses in town. Mm -hmm. So we went head-to-head -head with them for four years, and thankfully over that time we not only thrived, but um, not only survived, but we thrived. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and during that course of time, many people reached out to us and said, hey, you know, can you come to our town? But we couldn't do any more sites ourselves. So it got me thinking, well, you know, how could we expand yet keep it really local? Mm -hmm. So about five years ago, we came up with this concept of basically franchising local news, mm -hmm. and it really took off. And today we have um, 
over 80 sites. We have over 70 of them in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. And uh, over 8.6 million readers during the last year. We have over 1.1 million readers a month. And, uh, and, it's, and it's one of the only scalable, sustainable local journalism models in the country. Let, let's uh, pick that apart a little bit because I think one of the most interesting t- stats is there are 8.8 million New Jerseyans. Mm-hmm. Okay? And you're saying that you have 1.1 million readers. Correct. In, in a month, we have over 1.1 million readers. That That's like if you came to the site 100 times, you'd be one person in that number. So you're saying one out of every nine New Jerseyans reads Tap Into. Yeah. Now, obviously, we, we have a couple sites in New York mm-hmm. uh, and one in South Carolina and one in Florida. Um, so, you know, it's very close to that 1.1 million um, because the, the lion's share of it is in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's exactly right. That's that, that's amazing. And, and, and why why is that? Like why do – People look at tap into as opposed to NJ.com or you know or NorthJersey.com. Like what what is what is the secret in the sauce? Well, pe- people want to know what's going on in their town, and um, it used to be that you had uh, a, a local newspaper and a lot of towns multiple local newspapers, and many of them have gone out of business. Others have regionalized their coverage. So um, our old paper for New Providence, New Jersey, was called the Independent Press, mm-hmm. and uh, it used to have many stories each week about New Providence, and then it started regionalizing their coverage, and they had one story a week about New Providence, and then they got acquired um, by the Star-Ledger, you know, uh, Advanced Media, and then they basically got rid of their reporting, and mm-hmm. it's just press releases and inserts at this point. Wow. So for people to find out what's going on in New Providence, you need to go to tap into. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you see this all across the state where um, – you know, local newspapers have gone out of business um, where they've regionalized their coverage or they've been acquired. Um, like, for example, when Gannett acquired NorthJersey.com and then laid off many, many people. It used mm-hmm. to be that, for example, the Milburn item was like yeah. the lion, you know, was the lion. Um, Milburn item had so much Milburn coverage every week. And today there's stories from all over New Jersey. There's USA Today content in there. And you're lucky if you have one story a week about Milburn in the That's Milburn item, you know. Um, worse yet, you have towns in New Jersey, uh, many of them, um, over 100 municipalities in New Jersey that have no local newspaper at all, no local newspaper, no local news site. Um, I just spoke at the Ocean County Mayors Association earlier this week, and we had a, over a dozen mayors in the room, and uh, only one of them had a local newspaper or a local news site. The wow. other towns had nothing. Wow. So, so Chuck, let's talk about um, you. And sure. as now you were formerly a traditional newspaper reporter, you were with the Bergen Record. Yeah, 18 years. 18 years at the Bergen Record, and uh, tell us about your life, Chuck. About my life? <laughs> I'm not sure. It all that. started. Uh, uh, you know, this is the first time I've ever worked at a news agency that didn't have a tangible newspaper, a print paper, a print mm-hmm. product. Right. So uh, I, I must say the first few days I worked here, I was looking around my desk for a back issue to refer to mm-hmm. for a story. And right. so yeah. I, I, I'm curious if, you know, 10 years on, you, uh, this seems very normal to get your news online. Um, at the time, was, it, was, that, was, was that sort of a, a roll of the dice to, um, to forsake just, like a yeah. tangible print product? You, you know, it was still a time where a lot of news agencies – we're, we're slow to kind of transfer online, digital, social media. Or... Oh, yeah. I mean, when I, when I started it, um, it you know, people thought I was nuts. They were like, mm-hmm. well, you know, we, we have our, our hard copy newspaper. We read it on the train every day. That's what we do, you know. Right, right. Um, but the, the, there's just been a seismic shift. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of the publications that have – a lot of the local newspapers that have gone out of business, um, largely it's been because they have not um, – 
st- uh, stayed abreast of the times, and mm-hmm. they didn't go online. They didn't transition, and uh, and you know, and the readership, the eyeballs went online. They did not, and the, the advertisers want the eyeballs, and mm-hmm. so their advertisers, you know, left them, and um, they they no longer had a sustainable business model. And uh, you see this all across the country. What's also shocking is you know there's there's twelve thousand towns about in the country that have no local newspaper, no local news site. And what's springing up is, you know, Facebook groups where people just circulate rumors, um, anonymous sites, um, sites that are funded by political action committees that have a hidden agenda. And to me, that's even worse than having no newspaper is having a publication that has a hidden agenda or is funded by some political action committee that nobody knows about. You right, know? right. You know, um, what, what I think is interesting is that, you know, we are a public relations firm and, you know, we live and die based on like how much news coverage we can get for our clients. And it used to be, or it's probably over the past 10 years, you would call these large daily newspapers in the state and they would be like, you know what, that's a tremendous story you're pitching. I love that story. We have nobody to write it. Mm -hmm. And what's been happening is, is that we're seeing ourselves anecdotally more and more times we're going to tap into because it's really, if I'm doing a story of a ribbon cutting or some event, what what, what have you in Camden or Newark or uh, New Brunswick or... uh, or say Livingston or, or what, what have you, you know, you know that there's at least one reporter who can cover that town. And the thing is, and now Mike knows, and many of our loyal listeners know, I used to be a reporter at the Star-Ledger, and, um, and back in the day, from 1990 to 2000, and at the time, I would cover a meeting in New Brunswick, and if I was sick that day or whatever, I would get scooped by two or three other entities. And I'm not talking... Big time news. I'm talking planning board meeting, zoning board meeting, you know, board of governors meeting at Rutgers. Now, Chuck, you know, you're the only guy there. You're the last man standing. You know, <laughs> absolutely. It's a it's a privilege and uh, a responsibility at the same time. Uh, it, it, just yesterday, I had I had somebody, a high ranking official in New Brunswick, tell me that, that he they had given up um, doing press releases and putting their resources into gathering local news and disseminating it because there was no one to give it to. Mm-hmm. They, they would give it to a couple of uh, some of the bigger papers in the area. Yeah. And uh, they would go nowhere. They wouldn't mm-hmm. appear in print. So he yeah. appreciates I, we exist I just know, from that standpoint. I know in New Brunswick and also in a lot of other towns, Mike, that you're in, that the towns are now designating TAP into as the official media um, what do I publication yeah, the official or? electronic media because you know the state law still is in the dark ages and so um, with with in terms of legal notices and, and things like that in the state of New Jersey uh, you still have to be a hard copy subscript paid subscription newspaper to qualify which makes no sense because one everybody's reading their their, their news online mm-hmm. um, second is is that um, those publications charge an arm and a leg for these legal notices and third um, th- they're not searchable and all this kind of stuff when you when you when you're publishing it in a hard copy newspaper um, uh, but what what has been happening is a lot of municipalities have been de- designating us as the official electronic media or newspaper for the town and as a result of that um, we get the um, we get the notices of the planning board meetings and and the zoning board meetings and things like that that come to us and we're able to uh, publish them for the, for for mm-hmm. our readers um, but uh, but really, you know, at the end of the day, that law really needs to change because, like, for example, in New Providence, New Jersey, um, they spend tens of thousands of dollars a year on legal notices that they have to place um, in the Courier News that doesn't even cover New Providence because mm-hmm. that's the closest 
hard copy subscription newspaper to New Providence. Mm-hmm. So you're, what you see is a future, a paperless future. Yeah, and then I think I think that you know the 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 writing is kind of on the wall. I mean, you know, I know several years ago the the, the publisher of the New York Times said that you know that eventually the Times would be all online, and you see this trend happening all over the place. I think that um, I think that you know what's probably going to always um, still have a print presence are those you know. Uh, magazines that you get, mm-hmm. um, and there won't be as many, but you'll have a print presence there. Uh, and I think t- to some extent, there may be where the, where there's no you know significant digital competition. There may be a hard copy you know local paper, but um, it, the the only one that I see is as 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 probably having a a long term future in print. Um, and when I mean long term, you know, beyond beyond the next five to ten years is probably the Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. Um, outside of that, I, I really don't see it. Wow, wow. I mean, so the the Times Picayune in New Orleans, they're down to three a week, or do they are they stop? You know, that's a, they, they got acquired. The, I thought the, that was advanced publication. Public advanced yeah. publication publication got got acquired um, by a startup in New Orleans, yeah. oh. and now that's the only game in town. So is it a, a print it, paper or is it? I believe it's. I believe it's digital only. Wow. Yeah. So the, a, a major city does not have a a, news, a print newspaper. A hard copy newspaper. I don't believe so. I wow. mean, I could. I could be. I, I could was, be. But I know they acquired it from uh, NJ Advanced Media. I mean, yeah. oh, Advanced Media. So that ba- uh, basically, at this point, there's only one newspaper now. So when when that you, just happened the last couple. Yeah. Of months. Yeah. I've been. Yeah. I've been because people in New Orleans are. Furious, yeah. That how could we? We're such a great city. How could we not have a city yeah. newspaper? Yeah. yeah. What about um, we? We've been seeing that you know, just NJ dot com and and um, whatever it's called, My Central New, New Jersey Gannett slash whatever it's called. It's uh, the Asbury Park Press, the Home News. The number of reporters that they have is steadily shrinking. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not an an area where to be a journalist, it's not like there's robust job opportunities in the traditional source. Um, my question is, is how many, how large is your news team in New Jersey? Like if you put together these 80, 70 sites, how many reporters, freelancers, photographers are we talking about covering the state? Yeah, we, we, we have more reporters on the ground in New Jersey than any other publication. Um, wow. And between the, the full-time reporters, the part-time reporters, and the freelance reporters, I would say that number you know, easily exceeds 300 at this point in the state of New Jersey. That's, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. What do you think, Chuck? Uh, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, that there's a there's a future for journalism. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, um, you, you know, I think people like me and you are uh, dyed in the wool journalists. Mm-hmm. Um, if I may speak yeah. for you. Oh, you can speak for me. Okay. Sure. I'm, I'm dubbing you. <laughs> you're doing it better dyed. than I'm doing yeah. it. Uh, you know, and it, it, it's probably the only thing you, if you're like me, it's the only thing you grow up wanting to do, and you see it as uh, providing a service yeah. uh, in some way. And yeah. I, I like the fact that can. Yeah make money to eat yeah. you know that's always yeah. a good thing uh but but yeah. you know the public service part of it is, is invaluable yeah. and uh I, I see it every day yeah. uh, uh, you know covering new brunswick people yeah. thank thanking us well, it's, it's also important yeah. for democracy right because you know it used to be that like you were saying that you'd have three or four other reporters there at the council meeting well if tap into is not at your council meeting you have no idea what the council yeah. talked about there's no accountability of the elected officials and uh and you know in Apathy, more apathy takes place, et cetera. Conversely, if you have a tap into site in your town that's covering the government meetings, reporting what's going on, reporting the Board of Ed, covering the elections, um, being there for letters to the editor and candidate statements and all this kind of stuff.
stuff, yeah. you see there's higher voter turnout, there's higher interest, typically there's more candidates running and things like that. So, uh, and studies have come out recently showing that, that um, having a local newspaper is critical to having a robust community and and really a thriving democracy in mm -hmm. the town. From a, one thing that Tap Into does differently, and interesting to get your take on this, is that if you ever notice on Tap Into is that it doesn't uh, editorialize. There's no editorial page on it. They run op-eds, they run letters to the editor, but you don't actually take a position. And, and, and tell us why you chose to do that. Yeah, well, our, our philosophy is if, if you give people objective, nonpartisan news and information, they can make up their own minds. They don't need us telling them how to vote or what to think. And I think it's been a major issue with media in general and certainly the national media where people don't trust it. You see this time and again um, because, um, you know, they've taken sides. Um, they have their journalists on all these talk shows, you know, right and left. And you, you, you can't trust that what you're getting is objective news. In fact, uh, there was a story just out, I think it was yesterday, that the New York Times is, is really reigning in their reporters who are appearing on um, shows like Rachel Maddow, mm -hmm. and they're saying, no, you, you can't go on there anymore. So I can't go on there anymore? <laughs> and, Maybe this is your big shot. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. That's not what you um, told no. me when you hired me. Hold on a second. Um, because of the fact that, you know, they, these journalists are on giving their opinions, and uh, and really, you know, opinions have, in, in our view, have no place in the news. Mm -hmm. And um, because of the fact we have no editorial page, we don't tell people how to vote or what to think, uh, people on the right, people on the left, people in the center, you know, they all trust tap into and they they know they can rely on it for objective local news and information mm -hmm. so uh, what were we going to say chuck no i'm waiting for you you can probably say something <laughs> more brilliant than me but the one thing i, I was going to say is the three of us have something tremendously in common and i believe this is a, a a rutgers place shane we're all big rutgers guys here you know yeah you get it right you'll go to rutgers right yeah he's he's nodding yeah so uh, <laughs> uh, no he's not <laughs> um but uh we want i think we're all at rutgers at the same time um, what you graduated in '93? Uh -huh. I graduated '93. You probably you're young and oh, you're that much yeah, younger. That's you're how a baby because you, you covered uh, me when I ran for mayor of New Brunswick uh, when I was 21. Now we have to tell that story because you probably didn't know <laughs> what? that. What? <laughs> Say what? Say what? <laughs> anyway, all right. So here's the story. So um, when I was at the Star Ledger in the, I don't know if you knew this in the in the, in the mid '90s, um, Mayor Cahill was the mayor running in New Brunswick. Right. He's still the mayor, as yeah, you, you, yeah. you know, and um, doing a terrific job. And, job. Uh, and and basically, Mike Shapiro, your dad, decided that he wanted to be run for mayor. Uh, why did you want to do that, Mike? <laughs> um, I had been very involved at Rutgers. I was uh, on the University Senate, and I was president of the Student Government Association and really involved. And uh, when I was graduating, I didn't want to take a job right away. And I wanted to do something that, like, could, to give back to the community. And a lot of people approached me and said, hey, it'd be really cool if you ran for mayor and ran a serious campaign and put out, you know, talked about some of the issues and things like that, and I did. Wait, so you're saying your gap year was to run for mayor? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so like the idea Could you was, get a flight to Boca? I mean, <laughs> what was so the, going on? The, the idea was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to become mayor of New Brunswick, and mm -hmm. if that works out, great. If not, I'll go get a job, and that's what I did, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I learned a lot in that campaign, and, and one of the things I learned was that you can really make a big difference in your community without running for office, uh -huh. and that was one of the things that was in the back of my mind when I started Tap Into was, here's a way I can give back to the community, do something that would help a lot of people, um, 
And I don't necessarily have to run for office yeah. to do it. I can do it in some other so way. How many votes did you get? That's that, that was yeah. going to be my question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, I think even to this day it's, it's, it's debated. But I either finished second or, or third out of four candidates, and All I got right. about 19% of the vote. If you got the Rutgers student body to vote for you, you would have probably – Yeah, but they're not registered to vote. Mm. Well, one, they're not registered. But second, um, our campaign made a decided choice um, not to actively campaign to students. And the reason was that we had this belief, um, which I can understand, that if we won with students, then we would always be seen as not legitimate in the eyes of the full-time, long-term residents. So uh, we said, you know what? If students vote for us, great. And yes, we're going to let them know that you're running, but we're going to focus our campaign on the residents of the town and try to win it on the residents of the town. That's honorable of you. I would have taken it any way I could have. (laughs) Every every, every politician, whoever wants every vote. vote. Yeah, every vote. Alive, dead, twice, three times. Yeah, and and, and actually you and the mayor, you guys are, you know – Friends, I wouldn't say I don't say, think you guys hang out at barbecues, but I would say that you know you're pretty, you know, no, no, no is harm he down no for foul. the bar mitzvah. Uh, <laughs> is he going to light a candle? Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, um, uh, which one does he? Which blessing does he get? Uh, what's his? Say, uh, what? Like, say what? Yeah, no, it's it's it's. I mean, it's funny, but I, I think that you know, at the end of the day, it's um, to me, life is too short, and and also it's like you know, I never bear a grudge about against people. And, and the mayor is one who doesn't really do that either. And so it's uh, – Was it a nasty um, campaign? Um, I, I think at times. Yeah. Um, yeah, at times. Uh, but, well, you let's know. hear a little of this. Uh, well, I, I tried <laughs> That's to pr- what I want to hear. I should have pulled the old articles, but I tried to prime the pump, you know. Uh-huh. I'd be like, so, Mike, what do you really think of the mayor? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of that tie he's wearing? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So I got a little uh, testy? <laughs> At times, at times, you know, like, uh, and it, this wasn't obviously the mayor or whatever, but there, there were times when, like, threats were called in against me and stuff like that. And, wow. you know, yeah. but, it, but, you know, that's just how it is. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and, but it was an issue based campaign, you know, I mean, we, we, it was not a slash and burn campaign or anything like that. I'm proud of what we did. We went door to door, you know, 12, about 12 hours a day. We went door to door. That's what we did. And uh, talked with, Residents from every ward and all that wow. kind of stuff, and wow. I learned a lot, you know. Right. And and um, that's something I look back on, and I'm really glad that I did because I learned so much from it. And I think it also helped, you know, point me in this direction in some way, mm-hmm. you know. Did, did you debate him? Did, was there a debate? I, I'm trying to even remember Cause, cause if there he, was. You know, I could see the why mayor. Why don't, why don't a, you a write? A, why don't you write a 25 year look back on the Shapiro Cahill race? <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, First yes, of all, that the would be seminal a riot. moment in the <laughs> city's history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How he gave was, the mayor a run. <laughs> <laughs> there was the pre-election and the post-election. Nothing else. Um, the truth but, uh, can be told now. Yeah, yeah, tell um, so anyway, uh, oh, so let's talk um, about uh, the future of tap. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, you know, you, you seem like a guy who's got some vision. Um, where do you where do you see taking this? Yeah, so I mean, th- this year has been a year of uh, a couple of major things. One is um, tra- uh, working to raise the the standard across the board of all the sites, so that standard when, in what way? The standard of the content, quality, editorial the quality, quality. Yeah, the quality of the content, get and then also to, get like up to your level, Chuck. Well. 
I think he's talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mention any names. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 we'll talk later. You'll, you'll tell me what you're um, actually saying. And then the other thing is about like ethics and transparency because I think that in this, particularly in this day and age with all these accusations about fake news and who's bought and sold and all this kind of stuff that we need to be the, you know, to really be at the forefront of ethics and transparency in journalism. So that's, those have been two primary focus this year. Um, the third focus has been working to um, increase the revenue of our franchisees. So we, we've put a lot of resources into training and um, we have one of the nation's experts in online uh, marketing and online sales who, um, who does boot camps for our franchisees and does monthly webinars. And already we see um, revenues up almost, uh, almost 10% just in the last couple of months among all the sites across I've, I've, all 80 sites. Based on the advertising that the uh, franchisee sell? Correct. Um, and then um, the other focus has been strengthening our uh, recruitment so that um, – and tightening it up. So that way when people come through the door, uh, the people have you know uh, their content nailed down. They have their sales nail, nailed so down. Wait, so what you're talking about is say if somebody wanted to buy a franchisee franchise in a town – it's not a rubber stamp. Right. You have to – they have to do what? Like well, how, they, do you they, how do you become a franchisee? Of yeah, so one um, – they have to apply. We run a, we run a background check. Um, then they meet with our prospective franchisee committee, uh -huh. which is composed of some of our, our most successful franchisees. Um, they grill them, you know, usually for two, three hours, maybe more. Um, then they recommend to me whether that, that, that person or that group of people should be approved to franchise. And then it's my final call as to whether to approve them to franchise. Then once they franchise uh, and they sign the franchise agreement, we, we train them in all aspects of the business, the content side, uh, social media, how to use the site, the advertising side. Um, and then uh, we soft launch them. So they have to do about a week's worth of content at least mm -hmm. um, before we launch them live to the public. Mm -hmm. And that way they, they, they learn by doing mm -hmm. in addition to the training we've already provided so mm -hmm. that when they launch, they have a vibrant site already in terms mm -hmm. of content and things like mm -hmm. that. Right. So even though you're, there's 70 sites in New Jersey, New Jersey's still the Wild West here for Tap Into. Like There's, there's still so much Jer opportunity. Uh, Jersey City, I think, is yeah, available. Bergen. Hoboken's available. Yeah, a lot of so – many towns in, in, in Bergen County, a few in Passaic, uh, still several in Middlesex, um, Morris. Um, Ocean, we only have one site. We only have um, four in Monmouth, and then we have we have nothing. Um, we have we have nothing further uh, down south other than Camden mm -hmm. in Camden County. So you know, Cape May and, and Ocean City and Cherry Hill and that whole area. Um, yeah. There's just and and we only have one site in Mercer County, which just launched in Hamilton Robbinsville. Okay. Um, so you know. There's a lot of towns in, in Mercer County as well. So there's right. still a lot of opportunity for it. And more so, there's a lot of void still for local news in New mm -hmm. Jersey that need to be filled with yeah. you know, really good local objective content. Yeah. Well, you hear about food deserts. This is news deserts. Correct. You exactly. Know, areas of the state where they just, again, as you mentioned at the beginning of the interview, just don't have any uh, news coverage. That's right. You know, And uh, I remember it's um, actually one of your other franchisees uh, said, said to me that, he has to the, – the council always tries to wait him out where basically he's sitting in the audience and then they immediately go into closed session. And then about every half hour they peek out the door to see if he's still out there. <laughs> you know, So it's like a waiting game. It's not but, an hourly but, employee, is he? <laughs> I don't know if he's yours. But, but the, the point is is that if that reporter wasn't there, there's nobody else watching what this governing body is doing. Now, I'm not saying they're doing anything right or they're doing anything wrong. It's just, though, that there is some type of accountability to the public. And Absolutely. that's something that we, with the constriction of media, 
that's you know been a big problem. So again, like I think tap into you know really has, is a good public service as well. Plus, you're giving journalists jobs, an opportunity. Because that's right. Journalists and need a place. You're not a journalist if there's nowhere for you to publish. Yeah, and it's not, you know um, a number of our journalists uh, work for franchisees. Some journalists have actually are franchisees themselves. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, we have a lot of different models. Um, we have you know the most common model is where two people do it together part time. One does the content, one does the ad sales. Um, we have some sites where it's one person; they do both the content and the ad sales. Um, we have other sites where somebody buys the franchise and they bring on someone to do the content, someone to do the ad sales. Um, there's a nonprofit model where a nonprofit could actually do this in their town. Oh, I and by doing that, they create a new revenue stream for them as a nonprofit, and they're, hey, they're able to help fulfill their mission of giving back to the community. Um, we have six hard copy newspapers that are franchised from us to be their online site. And we also have a university model where St. Bonaventure University's journalism program franchised from us as a journalism practicum for their students. Mm -hmm. And we're really excited about these models because there's no one size fits all for a given community. And when you look across the country, you have um, economically distressed areas, you have urban areas, you have rural areas, you have Tony suburbs, and there needs to be a model that works in all of them. Mm -hmm. And thank, thankfully, because of the models we've developed, we've been able to prove that there's a model for every kind of community out there. Right. Oh, all right. Especially New Brunswick. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the best one. Yeah, by well, far. That's the, you know, of course. In your humble opinion. Uh, yeah, one man's opinion. Yeah. So anyway, well, listen, uh, this has been great. And uh, we're very um, fortunate and grateful that we were able to fit into your very busy schedule. We've been trying to get Mike in here for three months now. And uh, I'm glad you finally did. What have you been doing? <laughs> I don't know what the guy. Yeah, I don't know what he does all day. He does have a lovely suntan. You know? Yeah, oh, I know. Yeah, I took yeah. note of that. Oh, you did. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm jealous. So, so anyway, so again, uh, thank you. We're here with Mike Shapiro, uh, CEO of TapIntoNet, and you can check him out at TapIntoNet. Yeah. And uh, check out all the different news sites, especially the one in New Brunswick. Yes. And, and if uh, anybody is interested in possibly starting a TapIntoNet site in their town, they can go to StartTap.net and get some mm -hmm. initial information, and we'd love to hear from people. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Thanks thank for you. having me. Okay. The Jaffe Podcast is a production of Jaffe Communications, which is solely responsible for its content. Episodes may not be reproduced or rebroadcast without permission. Our executive producer is Jonathan Jaffe. Our editor and production manager is Josh Frank. And our theme song was composed by David Siste. For more episodes, visit jaffecom.com or find us on Facebook at Jaffe Communications. Thanks for listening. Join us next week.